My name is Andrew Shigori, and this is the Big Iron Podcast. We're here to entertain and educate any who are inclined to or otherwise interested in the livestock raising, garden growing, do it yourself, keep hitting it till it quits moving type of life. Modern problems require modern solutions, but there is a wealth of knowledge to draw from those that came before us. Presented by PNC Cattle Pens, top of the line equipment specifically for Texas Longhorns and more. From hay rings and panels to squeeze chutes and complete working systems, PNC Cattle Pens has what you need. To keep you and your herd running safe and efficiently, check them out at pccattlepens.com. That's P-C-C-A-T-T-L-E-P-E-N-S.com. Now let's throw this skunk on the table and get down to business. Howdy, friends. This is going to be another one of those little bit different episodes. Um, I got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about, um, so I promise that we're going to get back to our regular topic soon. But this episode is actually going to be about our new podcast and little project that my brother and I are, are working on under the Big Iron Media Company, and that is Big Iron Outdoors. Um the outdoors are something that I'm passionate about. I spend a lot of my a lot of my time outside outdoors on the ranch and and when I'm not, you know, hunting, fishing, camping, all that good stuff. Um I mean, I remember when I had a warehouse job, you know, I I would get depressed. I don't know if it was depressed, but I would feel like I needed to see the sun, I needed to see the sky, get out in the woods. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but the big iron outdoors podcast, which I'm going to play part of our first episode here on this episode of the big iron podcast. Um, and then you can go listen to it on its own feed, which is going to be big iron outdoors. It's available on Spotify. Um, the, the idea of the big iron outdoors podcast is, where the Big Iron Podcast focuses on agriculture, cattle, all the stuff that I'm into and that I want to learn more about and that I want listeners to learn more about. Big Iron Outdoors is the same idea, but for outdoor pursuits. You know, first generation people who didn't grow up necessarily hunting and fishing, but who are interested in doing it now, who want to know about the animals in the woods around where they live, who want to know how to harvest those animals for food, how to cook them up if they want to, and um, and and put that on their family's dinner table. So to me, there's a lot of parallels between the Big Iron Podcast and big, what Big Iron Outdoors is going to be, which is why we're starting up this project. Two things I'm super passionate about. And the Big Iron Outdoors Podcast, we're going to have some cool educational stuff on there. I'm really hoping to talk to some folks about, you know, animals and and. and folks who actually know what they're talking about and besides what I know, you know, um, but it's also kind of going to be fun. You know, it's me and my brother hosting and co-hosting. And, uh, so we're just going to be bantering a little bit and (laughs) it's kind of going to be a laid back, uh, type of thing, but we'll also have the episodes with, with lots of educational value and, uh, and, and all that good stuff. But, um, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm going to play, some of that first episode on here so y'all can see what it's about 
Um, and if you want to go check it out, like I said, Big Iron Outdoors on Spotify right now, it's going to be on all the streaming uh, services that this podcast is on eventually. Um, but super excited about it. So go check it out if that's something that interests you. Um, or if you know someone else who it may interest, you know, do me a favor and, and mention it to them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. And we'll look forward to talking some more about our regular topics on the Big Iron podcast um, next week. Thanks for following along. Welcome to Big Iron Outdoors. From critters and conservation to history and woodsmanship, join us as we explore what it means to be a 21st century outdoorsman. I'm your host, Jonathan Shigori. And I'm your co-host, Andrew Shigori. Hey, what's this skunk doing on the table? Yeah, we kind of grew up in the woods. Um, our grandpa was a, a sawmill man by trade. They live up there in West Virginia. So anytime we were with him, we were in the woods. We were hiking up to the cave. We were yeah, going get- down the holler and identifying trees, playing in the creek, all the stuff that kids from the hills of West Virginia do. Yeah, getting into <laughs> something, climbing the mountain and finding the biggest rock we can roll down the hill yeah rolling rocks down the mountain <laughs> probably one of the best pastimes you can you can do if yeah anybody who's ever rolled rocks down a mountain knows how fun it is and if you but, haven't if you ever get the chance to roll rocks <laughs> highly it. recommend yeah. but it is interesting that we spent so much time in the woods as kids and kind of developing that natural for me developing that desire to be in the woods to be in the mountains kind of i've had this conversation with a lot of people like is it something that's within us is it nature or nurture like i feel like part of me would always want them if i was born in new york city my people are from the hills of west virginia i would always have something inside me that says that's where you belong that's how i feel i don't know if that's true or not but that's that's the way i feel about it Honestly, my love of of the animals that are out there, when you say that to people, they look at you funny. Like, I I hunt deer because I love deer. (laughs) Right. Most people don't understand that, but I hunt deer because I love deer. I I trap raccoons because I love turkeys. Like, (laughs) or even because I love raccoons. I love the interaction with them, you know? Um, I love the idea that we were put here to be stewards of the animals and in the modern world part of that is you know you say controlling the population and some people think that that's a that's a justification but really in some places population control is a big reason why we should do hunting not all of them but there's definitely something to be said for continuing a tradition that has been with humankind for thousands and thousands of years you know there's nothing more nothing more natural than hunting getting your own putting yeah getting your own food growing a garden hunting game and putting it in the freezer for your family we're gonna have some stories from the river stories from the river Lots so, of stories. You have a story 
speaking of stories, you have a story about a big buck. Let's talk yeah. about that. You have so was this your first big buck? Your first deer? It was my first buck. First buck. Okay. It was my first mature buck. Um the very first deer I ever shot was a button buck because I didn't know the difference between a doe and a button buck just looking at it then. Um borrowed a friend's uh borrowed a friend's gun and we hunted on his parents' property and I was sitting in a deer stand and I shot my my first deer that way but so the story of the first buck that I ever shot and still the biggest buck that I ever shot was when I lived up in the northern part of the state in Surrey County. Megan and I moved up there and uh man that was <laughs> you want to talk about good deer hunting. That was some of the best deer hunting. There were so many deer up there, especially in the area where we lived. But we were renting a house from um, from some folks, and and he let me hunt. He had more property up the hill besides the piece that our house was on. There, our house was on one side of the street. Their house was on the other side of the street. But up the up the little hill right there on the side that our house was on was a couple hay fields and some hardwoods. And we had some deer stands and some blinds up there and he just, you know, gave me permission to hunt all that, that I wanted. So I was two or two or three, that might've been my second or third year of actually deer hunting. So I was in heaven. Um, but yeah, this big buck, I had been hunting several years. The first year I, I shot one, one deer. The second year, I think I got skunked. I think I didn't get a single deer even though I was going out pretty often um, second year that I hunted. Then it was either the third or fourth year when we were up there in Surrey County that uh, I was hunting heavily and, and getting lots of deer, shooting several does. And one evening I was sitting up in a, we had a box blind that he had kind of built up in a, up in a tree and it looks out over this little holler and uh so where you would shoot toward was about eye level with the blind even though the blind was probably 20 foot up in a tree if that makes any sense similar to our deer stand here yeah where there's a hill the 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 tree that the stand is in is kind of at the bottom of the hill and the hill goes up out in front of you from there so you're shooting maybe 80 yards but it's about eye level with you. Sure. Yep. And I was hunting over corn. Um, we would bait them in with corn, but it was just starting to get, okay. So when I turned 18 and was able to buy firearms for myself, um, I didn't have much money. So I decided that instead of buying a rifle, I was going to buy a Mossberg 500 with two barrels with a rifled slug barrel and a smooth barrel for shotgun shells or for hunting birds or turkeys, you know, yeah. squirrels, whatever. So I had my, my rifled slug barrel and a slug and, uh, that's what I was deer hunting with. I didn't have, I didn't have a rifle back then. Um, and I, I had put a red, a pretty cheap <laughs> red dot, uh, scope on it that was like 2x magnification or something really low and um 
I was sitting up there, didn't see anything. And then it was starting to get where the sun is almost starting to go down. The light's starting to come down, but still legal shooting light. And I didn't even see him come in. That's how well these animals are camouflaged. I, I look out there and suddenly I just, there's a deer. Like I was watching and I didn't see him. And then all of a sudden there he was. I see horns. Right. I'm like, oh man. That looks like a pretty big buck. <laughs> so I was a little bit nervous, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I bring up my gun, and I put that red dot right behind his shoulder. And I'm trying to trying to decide, should I shoot this thing? I've got a red dot sight. It's about an 80-yard shot. 80 yards. The light is starting to go. It's still legal shooting light, but not as as clear a visibility as I'm in the woods, I'm in the hardwoods, not as clear a visibility as it was about an hour ago or 30 minutes ago. I'm like, looking back, like would I have shot, taken that shot now? Probably not. Now, with that same situation. <laughs> with that same situation, now. but the experience I have now, I probably wouldn't. You would probably have passed wouldn't have taken yeah. that shot. I Which, probably by the way, considered that an ethical yes, decision. Pass. Yeah. But anyway, I did shoot. <laughs> and uh i guess I, it looked like i hit him but he runs off down the hill toward the creek and I, i'm like oh man i'm like i'm positive i hit him because he looked like he was kind of limping as he ran away but he ran away immediately um so uh, i'll wait a little bit not long <laughs> I get down. Got to be dark at this yeah, point. It's starting to get dark. And as I go up to start checking for blood, it starts sprinkling rain. And then it starts really raining. Yeah, of course. I found a few drops of blood. I start trying to follow the blood, but it's raining pretty hard at this point, And I can't find any blood because it's getting washed away by the rain just as fast as he's bleeding and I'm down in this little holler with a little creek in the bottom and I'm down in this creek and I can tell where he came into the creek, but I cannot tell where he came out. So I'm, I don't even know how long it was, but I'm looking for him for a pretty good amount of time. And, uh, it's dark. I just had a little cheesy flashlight and I'm like, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this deer. So I go back to the house and get my wife who her family has never hunted a day in their life. And we've only been married for about a year. I'm like, Hey babe, um, I need you to come out into the woods in the pouring rain with me and try and find this deer that i just shot <laughs> that may or may not be that may or may not be dead because two eyes are better than or two sets of eyes are better than one right so i get her i get my my lovely bride and we go back up on the hill on the mountain and go back down in the, in the gully start looking around again and we spend probably two hours going up and down looking for deer Looking for this deer. Could not find him. It was probably, I don't know. and It was probably longer than two hours because I just could not stand the idea of leaving a deer out there. But at that point, it was raining so hard. I had nothing to track. There was no blood that I could find. I'm like, I'm just guessing. 
as to where this deer is. It's a bad feeling. So we eventually call it a night and we go back to the house and I'm tore up. I'm like, not because it was a big buck, but because I had never left an animal before. Like I always dropped them or was able to find them. So anyway, beat myself up over that. And then the next morning, the, uh, the guy that I was renting my house from Gary, uh, we went out looking for him and I'm in the same spot I was and we're walking up and down and, uh, I go one way and Gary goes the other way to cover more ground. And then I hear him holler, <laughs> he's over here. So I go back up there and sure enough, he had went down into that gully, crossed, went down the creek a ways and went up the other side of the hill and got up behind this really big beech tree that's kind of like on the side of this hill. And he laid down behind that beech tree and died right there. But he was behind the beech tree. Mm -hmm. I had probably passed that spot a couple times. And He's not seeing him. Yep, because he was like down in a down in a crack behind this wedge between the tree and the uh, and the hill. He didn't go. He he wasn't bedded down. It's not like he laid there. And we would have jumped him if he had lived long because we were right in that area. If he was still alive when we were there, he would have been gone. So he died pretty quick after I shot him. But as I was looking, it looked like since he was bent down eating corn or he squatted a little bit before I pulled the trigger. So his leg was back. Kind of his upper leg bone was back into his vitals a little bit to where he was leaning down eating corn. Mm. And the slug had hit him in the leg and kind of, I guess, slowed it down or, or fragmented it or whatever it did. Um, cause I had got a double lung, um, but not the heart. So he went a little ways and died, but it was pretty, pretty quick kill. Um, pretty quick death for him, but difficult for me to find him. So that's the story of the, of the big buck that I, that I shot and his, Skull is on the mantle in my house with a shotgun shell. I wrote the date on it's 2016, so I'd been married about a year. <laughs> That's the story of, of the buck. And sure enough, he took off. And I had never experienced hunting a deer, shooting a deer, so I didn't know. I thought, you know, I thought maybe he would just drop if I got he a good shot. Dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and so I call you, I remember calling you and I was like, man, I just shot at this deer and I don't know. I was, yeah, I had the shakes. I was a little bit, yeah, I remember a little bit stirred and, uh, you were like, all right, buddy, just, just wait a little bit yeah, and then give go him a minute. try and see if you can find him. We got a coyote problem around here. I got one Mo- too. Most of North Carolina. Yeah. I've seen them. I've seen them out here on the ranch, obviously, but I've seen them downtown Winston-Salem, out by you. Man, there are so many coyotes. I saw coyote on University Parkway in Winston-Salem. There's a ton of coyotes by my house Yep, in Winston. 
What do you think? What do you think? That's good for the first episode. How are y'all hey, doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. This is being a good first episode. We got a little deep. A good representation I like of what it. we're trying to do. It's just a little, just a little taste. It's just, just a little, little taste of what we're, we're just dipping get our into. toes in the water. It's <laughs> a little taste of what we're going to get into on later episodes. But like I said, I'm excited. Going to be a lot of outdoor stories, a lot of hillbilly stories from. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How we grew up and uh, a lot of stories about figuring it out on our own for the first times. And There's, <clears throat> ooh, there is a lot of stories, and the more I talk, the more I remember. So yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's gonna roll. I tell you, I might be most excited about about talking to some folks about different uh, species of different animals. Species. I'm excited about it because they have. I mean, they have so much knowledge on. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. They focus on a species, and they learn everything about them, and they can tell us everything about them. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride, so follow along with us if you're a hunter, trapper, fisher, outdoorsman, hiker, camper. Tree guy. Forester. <laughs> or if you're just interested, you know, if you don't know where to start. If you're that guy who's saying, I've never hunted a day in my life, but I am interested in starting. This is a good place. Yeah, for sure. And we're also going to interview some of those guys. So That's right. Yeah. Tell your friends. We have a, a hunt lined up. It's hunting season right now here, actually, um, in some capacity. So we're going to go on a squirrel hunt with a guy who has never hunted a day in his life. Right. Yep. Then we're going to sit down and, and get his thoughts on Yeah. Yeah. He told me. That first time hunt. A little while. For I a while. hunting squirrels, man. Me too. But for a while now, this guy has been... He's been like, man, you hunt? I was like, yeah. He's like, I want to I want to do that. Like, I want to get my own food. I like cooking. Yep. I want to do this. Yeah. And I was like, well, man, first Ooh, thing. Recipes? Should we put some oh, recipes yeah, gonna, on here? We're, yeah. I make a mean, well, Megan makes a mean squirrel <laughs> chowder. <laughs> yeah, but you eat it. I eat a mean squirrel chowder, and I shoot a squirrel that goes in the chowder. Yeah, I'm excited. But anyway, I told him, get your hunting license. We'll talk. Sure enough, he went out and got his hunting license. There you go. So here we are. So we're going to take him squirrel hunt. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And if that's you, join us on the next episode of Big Iron Outdoors. Join us. Follow us on Instagram at Big Iron underscore Outdoors. There you go. Big Iron Media Company. Play us out, Jimmy. That was too that was too good. Hidden Springs Ranch Beef is a hundred percent registered Texas Longhorn beef. Try out our new Snack Sticks, lean longhorn beef with no nitrates added. Available in hot, mild, sweet, and sweet heat. The hot is my personal favorite. We're happy to say that these Snack Sticks are shelf-stable and we can ship them directly to you. Or if you're in North Carolina, check out our freezer beef options for local pickup. Halves, holes, bundle boxes, and bulk ground. Go check it out at hslonghorns.com under the beef tab. And use code BIGIRON for a little discount on me. hslonghorns.com and hit that beef tab.